Hi everybody and welcome back to the Endless Hells podcast. What turned out to be a short break turned into quite a big one, but we're back, we're ready to go. We filled in the gaps of some spin-offs with the Boise Bust in the Quest of the Sports Specials, even though we got beat, fellas, but it was close. We came back towards the end and just them couple of points pipped We've done the David Webb interview, if anyone wants to look about that, about transfers and scouting. But we'll get stuck back into things, all things Celtic, and I'm joined by Anthony and Ross. How are you both? Very good, mate. Fresh off oh, good, mate, It's uh, good to be back after the summer break. Went on a bit longer than we expected, but we're just Jack Grealish in that, aren't we? Champions. <laughs> Champions devil one. We never stop, although we did, but sure. But Ross, as you said, you're you're fresh back off the, the twelve rounds you went with Russell Boyce and the double down. Oh, yeah. That was, that was very that was good a, on Friday night. It was, myself. It was a, a very good show, but you've been talking about Celtic. We're back in this podcast. How are you feeling as well, buddy? Aye, it's good. As I said on Friday, it's good just to be back on some sort of platform talking about Celtic. Uh, and we're going to obviously have quite a bit to talk about because, as you alluded to, we've had a bit of a break. We've all enjoyed ourselves, but uh, Celtic's back in training. The boys are back in training. So it's time to talk about the guys again. Yeah. The boys are back in training. Our comments are flying. Phil McGinley's in from the Boise bus and the Cells lad, uh, Brown Warrior, Strains of the Doctor. Danny Boy was in early, really early, saying, thank God you guys are back. Trees is in, Ryan Kelly as well. So, We've got them all in. Get involved in the chat as always. Alistair oh, Jackson on, guys. as well. Good to see you all. Good to see you. It's good to be back. But we'll get stuck right into it. And the first kind of thing that when the season ended, obviously after all the kind of aftermath of lifting the league trophy, we never stopped. Posta Cogley making your hers stand up in the, the side of your neck, your back, whatever, with that kind of speech, Anthony. We were t- asking ourselves, when we're going to tie up Carter Vickers and Jada? Carter Vickers was done kind of early on. That, that, that deal was signed and Sealand delivered. He came in. Jada made a sweat, taking trips around the world and <laughs> look, coming up in New York, playing five-a-side football with Celtic fans, taking pictures. And he had his own tap on with his name in the back. That's like a John Terry type thing on his full kit and all, like, run the boat. <laughs> but what what a guy. We've got the Portuguese superstar in. How are you feeling with this kind of business early on at the minute? Uh, absolutely over the moon, mate. I, I, honestly, we are so used to We're almost been programmed, almost as Celtic fans, pretty much the last sort of 15, 20 years is the is sort of the, the model of the Celtic board is, you know, make us sweat, make us try and get through, um, negotiate a lot of tricky qualifiers and, you know, players getting sold and, you know, are we replacing light for light with quality? And none of that is happening this season uh, or this close season. We've got, you know, we're, we're, we're spending the dough like me and Ross on payday uh, at the bar. You know, we're flashing the cash. <laughs> We've, uh, we've signed up to the main stage for last season. Um, you know, we've, we've spoke on podcasts before about if, if we can only do one because it would be a big investment, who would you prefer? Who do you think would be the most important to keep? We don't have to worry about that. We've got the two of them signed up in long-term deals. We've got the left-back in there for competition for Rossi's boy, Gregory. And uh, Gregory. You know, Gregory. Joe Hart's got a bit of uh, serious uh, competition as well with the addition of Segrist. And it doesn't look as if that's going to be the end of the, the transfer dealings either. And not forgetting we got Maeda tied down on a long-term deal as yep. well. So, you know, and we're, we're safe in the knowledge that we're already in the group stage draw uh, for the big one. So, listen, as pre-seasons go, this is as good as I can ever remember. And, uh, yeah, uh, long may it continue. It's brilliant. We are going to get on to Segrist and Burnaby and all them <clears throat> shortly as well. But... Again, as always, the community in our comment section is flying here, and 
that sort of a bit of banter here, Anthony. So Daniel Mack comes in saying, that blind is terrible, Anthony, grow up. So. <laughs> <laughs> but coming to, coming to yourself... That's a home bargain special. Reduce, reduce down. What are you talking about? That you was the one it was there when he moved in. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like in terms of what Alfie said there about the kind of business being tied up early, Ross, you've got Carter Vickers done early on. Jada, again, made us worry, made us think he was back at Benfica. There was all sorts of people saying he knew where he was when he was signing. <laughs> that, what's that? ITK accounts who come up kind of saying about sources and we're speaking to Billy down the gym. He knows a grandson, he knows a fellow, he knows Jada, all that type of stuff. But how are you feeling with it? Uh, like Anthony, like probably every Celtic sport are absolutely delighted that we've got the two of them in. Uh, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's, I've heard a few Celtic fans saying that they, they think, well, obviously, everybody wanted their players in. Now that they're in, I've heard Celtic fans saying, we still need to do more business. We're actually weaker than what we were at the end of last season as a squad. And I don't fully agree with that. I, I, I get that we've lost Beaton, we've lost Rogic, but we've added Bernabai, we've added Segrist to positions in the squad that needed competition. But then the, I tend to look at the Jota and Carter Vickers one as, OK, you can say we're, we're weaker because some people are saying, well, they players were already there. But for me, I look at it like at the end of at the end of last season, they were no longer our players. Yep. So we needed we needed to strengthen, and what better way to strengthen than two guys that were pivotal and winning the league last season, and getting them back in the door? I, I just think it's absolutely brilliant business. And like Anthony, uh, I'm struggling to remember a better pre-season. At well. Aye, it's, it's, it's been a number of years, but also that has helped because we know where we're going to be. We're going to be in the Champions League. We know we're getting that money. So it, it, it's less risk uh, for the board. And you, you can praise them for because they are backing Ange, but you've still got that question, would they back them as much as what they have had they not had like the the guarantee of being in the Champions League. I'm not so sure, but that's speculating. And right now we're in the Champions League, and he's they're backing him. And I don't think that the the backing is finished here. I think there's more to come in. I think oh, yeah. we'll probably get on to it. I think we need probably. It depends. I'm not like too deep into it, but I, I think we maybe need a, a, a maybe a, a ball winning centre midfielder, mm-hmm. depending on what happens with Julian centre half but we, we might get into that later in the pod so I'll leave it at that now I think you make a great point here Ross you, you meant weaker strains of the doctor said not weaker more streamlined and chiseled and honed which is correct I mean you don't want a, a bloated squad Anthony and a lot of managers hate that kind of feeling when you have like 27, 28 you're leaving players out there could be bad players in the camp and I want to actually kind of pick up what Ross said he, he mentioned people have said we're weaker right you look at Carter Vickers coming in and the, the ever kind of jigsaw puzzle now around Christopher Julian, he's turned into one of them transfer sagas. He's been linked with a move to Shaquille or Shackle over in Germany in the Bundesliga. And it kind of it looks like it's fell through. Stop laughing at me, Ross. I know I got it wrong. Right? Schalke. It doesn't matter. Schalke, Shaquille. It does not matter. I was not I was not reading any dictionaries or pronunciation dictionaries during the summer, oh, right? Leave me alone. 
That's, that's my preseason poo fans. That's yeah. my preseason. Uh, <laughs> listen, as you were, Stephen. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> oh, Stephen, I love you, Captain. Honestly, that's the best one. Yeah. Oh my God, Lisa Kira. There Shakira. you go. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. But you look at Julian, right? And the whole kind of change in landscape with him. Where does it leave him? If this kind of falls through to the transfer of Germany, can you see him being pitched in? I know people say, I've heard people actually say on other podcasts that he should, he should be had a star felt, blah, blah, blah. But where do you see Julian with the Carter Stricker situation? I think, I mean, similar to what sort of um, Ross and, and Boyce were talking about on Friday night, you know, they went into the, 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 the sort of Julian uh, topic quite in depth. And, and I was find myself agreeing with them both. I mean, I, I, like for, as an outsider, I I, I would definitely uh, keep him in for all of the reasons that the boys outlined. You know, in terms of what he did um, when fit. You know, he, you know, he's, he's come up big, big moments for us. Um, you know, you you obviously think Lazio and the cup final and things like that. But just there's been games where he's he's, he's been absolutely phenomenal as well. And um, but you know, for whatever reason. Um, he obviously had the, the terrible injury in the, the sort of the, the COVID season, which you know that kind of overlapped um, Ange coming in, and it, it, as the boys said again on Friday, he came back at probably the worst time when it was the absolute business end, where there wasn't a, you know, we weren't we weren't that far ahead that we could take a wee gamble on on a particular game or that it had to be continuity all the way through until the last game, and but and obviously. <laughs> Before the last game at all, you know, the, 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 the interview article came out where, you know, let's just say, he didn't cover his cell in any glory. So my worry on, on his um, behalf is I think maybe Ange has already made up his mind whether he goes to Shaquille or, you know, anywhere else. You know, I think uh, I, I, I do get the feeling that it's, it's a, if he doesn't, if, if he doesn't go there, then he can he, he could end up anywhere. But I... I just feel that I don't think that Ange, Ange sees him. Um, Ross obviously alluded to as well about, you know, what Ange has said a lot about when he's looking at signing players, and it's the, it's the human element as much as the, the you know, the skill attributes and things like that. And you know, certainly on on, you know, as a player, he, he's certainly not very rarely looked out of place at Celtic. Um, but I, my worry for him is that his mind's already made up. Um, but Angie's mind's already made up that he just doesn't see a future for him, and it's it's a shame because considering what he's what he has achieved at the club, it'd be nice if he could add to that. But you know that's that's modern day football; it, it moves very quickly. It's the way football goes, and I mean in the comments section, there's an absolute sing along going on now with Shakira song. So it's good to see. <laughs> keep, take, keep taking the piss, everyone. I, I do enjoy it. If you see if you see me laughing, I'm laughing at the comments, but. Ross, coming to you, I mean, you were talking about it, as Anthony rightly said in the Boise Boss, some great debate in that, in that show as well, the double down one you've done. But one thing for me about Julian for this whole Ange system, I don't think he would suit it. I personally think the high line kind of catches him out pace-wise. I don't think he's quick enough. Yes, he can play a pass and stuff like that, but physicality, he doesn't really have it. He gets found out a lot. Lyndon Diggs tortured him when he was with Livingston, albeit on a plastic pitch, fair enough. But again, they're professional footballers. They train an astro turf, they train in any to- sort of environment, so they should be able to handle that, especially at the SPL level. I think for me personally, you, you sell him on, you get wages back in, and then strengthen the centre back department. Because as we're looking at the minute, we'll have Carter Vickers, Starfelt, Welsh, Urigidis come back in, John's favourite, if you're watching. And then you've got the likes of uh, Boson Lowell come up through the ranks and things like that, a young Irishman. But 
What where you stand on it now? Um, well, you make good points on on Julian himself there in terms of how he's play how he plays and if he'd be suited to the system. Um, but you're saying there, Ken, get, get cut your losses with him, get rid of him, and bring in another centre half. It's no easy to get another centre half in with the quality of Julian. I, I'm not saying that that he should walk straight into the team past Starfield, but I, I'm only I can only go off a of what I've seen of Julian in a Celtic jersey, and for me, I think he's well worthy of being part of the squad. Again, I reiterate, I'm not saying he should go straight into that team, but I think on what I've seen before Ange came in of Julian, I think he's, he, he deserves a, a fair crack of the whip, he deserves a shot, he's not had that yet, and like I said the other night, I've said previously, I understand why Ange didn't put him in, because at, at that stage of the season, I don't I don't think you can, you, you can split up the partnership that was working so well, you were going for a title, it, it was too much of a risk, but if he's, if I don't know if he's checked out. It looks like he maybe has. I don't know if Ange has made the decision on him already, and he wants him out the door. But for the outside looking in, not knowing all this, I think he deserves a chance in the pre-season games to try and prove himself, and then pretty much go for there. But again, for the outside looking in, I think it looks like he probably will be away. But mm-hmm. again, I say. If he does go, we need to get another centre half in, and then the, the centre half needs to be pretty much to the level of your Starfield or Carter Vickers. Because if one of them gets injured before a big Champions League game, you need to put somebody in there that's not going to take away for the team. And it's tough for Welsh, I, I, I've said it before, he's not put a foot wrong. But is he that level for going into the Champions League to, to cover a Starfield or a Carter Vickers? I'm not so sure. So it's sometimes you're better the devil you know, but then if if he's not playing ball in the squad and he's causing a bit of unrest, it's a difficult one to say when you're no privy and you're no behind the scenes. But that, when it's all said and done, I, I think Julian is a quality football player and he's... He's certainly Celtic class. He's proven that if uh, he came in, but it's totally down to Andrew. Whatever he decides, he's earned our batting, whatever that is. Although he's no exempt to criticism. Oh, hundred percent. He's not. I mean, William here is definitely not holding back. There he goes. That's pissed, Stephen. You're pulling out three games out of plenty that he played in his first season. Ninety percent of that season, he was a man. Starfelt made more mistakes in the last season, but. Again, I get that, right? This whole Starfelt thing with me, honestly, it kind of gets on my back a wee bit because he formed a partnership with Carter Vickers, right? They can see that the, the least goals in the SPL domestic kind of competitions as well. People are still criticising him. Yes, he's not a perfect defender. I think I even said that during the start of the last season when we were talking about him. And John, to be fair to him, always stuck by him and said he'll come good and he, he's came from Russia and he, he was kind of uh, settling into Celtic and I think so the same. Towards the end of the season, I seen him making runs into the centre of the park. He never done that. He was playing good passes. He looked more composed. Carter Vickers, as we all know, the big fridge beside him. Why do you think people still kind of pigeonhole Starfelt in that type of way? Not saying you are, William, but mm-hmm. I mean in general. <laughs> I, I, I think probably, you know, so saying you, you, sometimes you don't get a second chance at a first impression 
And I think a lot of people's early sort of thoughts on Starfield weren't great because there, there were a lot of errors to, to, to begin with. And I, I, I'm with you on the fact that it was the first half of the season rather than the, the second half. Um, but unfortunately for him as well, a lot of those um, errors that, you know, a lot of times a defender can make a mistake, but nothing really comes off it. But it, it just so happened to be that a lot of the errors that he, he, he made were leading to, you know, you know, he gave away a penalty, he gave away, you know, he, he was kind of responsible for, for, for a lot of the goals that we conceded in that early part. But I do agree with you, um, Stephen. I think um, the game against Hearts in December last season was probably where I felt he started to really look comfortable in his own skin. I actually think he got man of the match that night, if I remember correctly. Um, but, you know, where me and my dad sat at, at Parkhead, we were in the, the, the south stand, and it's just sort of almost in line with the 18-yard box. And, you know, you could just see him growing in confidence that night. And it was a narrow one. I think it was 1-0 or... I think it was 1-0. I think it was the night Kyogo scored. And he was he made some really, really brave um, headers and, you know, last-ditch tackles in that game. And you could just see him grow in stature. And I would, I would say that he more or less maintained that um, for the second half of the season, give or take the odd hiccup. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's absolutely redeemed himself in, in, in my eyes. Um, but I think probably what a lot of the fans may be worried about is the fact that, okay, he's, he's, he's maybe came up to speed domestically, but, you know, how is it going to fare against the likes of a, you know, not that, I mean, the very best are going to struggle against a, an Mbappe or, you know, guys of that standard. But I think we, we want to give a good account of ourselves in this Champions League, even though it's, you know, it's our first <clears> time <throat> in it in four or five years. And I think it's probably just a bit of apprehension for a lot of supporters that we want to go out and, really, you know, put our, our stamp on the group and we just want the best 11 on the part that we can possibly have and maybe for a section of support, Starfield still to really cement himself in the way that Vickers has. But um, for what it's worth, I, th- I, think, he'll, I think he'll do okay. Yeah, do you know what I think? Do you know what I think the, the issue we start? By the way, I don't dislike Starfield. I, I think he's done a great job. I was <laughs> on the fence. I was on the fence with him for... A good while at the start, I got on his back, but like Anthony says, he did, he did grow in stature, grow in confidence, and I, I sort of came full circle with him, and I do trust the guy, but I, I think what goes against him is, and I don't know if it's because he's playing on the wrong side of that partnership, but he doesn't look, he never looks natural, he never looks comfortable on the ball, he, he always just looks a bit unruly. And I think people just see that and think he looks like a bit of a bomb scare when actually he's he's maybe no being a bomb scare. He's in control of what he's doing in the sense that he's got time. He's he just looks a bit awkward. Whereas you look at Julian and he, he just he's just a big good looking guy. He he's calm. He, he's he's a cool customer. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think sometimes. That maybe just is what goes against Starfield. People are not seen past actually. What, what he's doing off the ball or with his jewels you've just seen him on the ball and he looks awkward but it's one of them I think that, I do think you're making a great point there uh, the way you said about Julian looking calm and composed and great in the ball which he is he's a good ball player me and my granda who is Watson again great to see you Watson granda I'll be down soon don't worry and we always say that he, he points 
to where he's passing, which he does. I don't know if you've seen it on the pitch. He's like this, and it ends up going that way. And he, nine times out of any place, a good pass. But you made a great point, right? So you're comparing what Starfield isn't doing to what uh, Julian can do, and that's play the ball and pass it. But Starfield has what Julian doesn't as well, which is great recovery speed. He can read the game well. He gets good tackles in. He's a good box defender. I'm not saying Julian isn't, but if you weigh up the way Alan's Postacog likes to play, it's fast, it's intense. The defence has to be on the halfway line, pushing in more. Where I don't think Julian, it's a bit like Shane Duffy, in my opinion, a ball over the top will kill him every time. There's, he doesn't have a great speed. And yes, mm-hmm. it could be down to obviously being out injured and he's coming back again. He looked leggy in that 45 minutes or whatever he got against Alaba. Fair enough. Or Rafe Rover, sorry. But <clears throat> again, if he was in his plans, I would expect to see more of him. Maybe pre-season coming as, up this Wednesday or first game. But if he's not involved in that, I think it's curtains. I think it's fair to say, isn't it? Absolutely. Aye, I would agree yeah. with that. I, I, I think he deserves to get an opportunity, like I've said, in the pre-season games. But maybe Andrew's seen enough of him in training that he just doesn't think he's going to suit his system. Time will tell. Yeah, time will tell. I can also say, at the moment, we have 54 live Watson, which is fantastic. Ooh. We're that 20, we're 20 minutes in. 20 minutes we're in. Monday night as well. Fantastic. We're Monday night, yes, and we appreciate that. And again, I don't want to bad drone about it, but we're sitting at 977 <laughs> subscribers. Get us up to that 1K mark. We're 23 off it. We, we appreciate all the support. Our community stuck with us from the start. Everyone's in the chat who we know. Daniel, Max, Stevie, Boy, Strains of the Doctors. Great to see. But we'll move on to the kind of the secondary transfer news. Anthony and that's Segrist and Burnaby that have come in on permanent contracts. Start with Segrist first. He was my first pick for like if you're getting a keeper out of the SPFL to come in and challenge uh, Joe Hart because I think that he's a good keeper. He's got good reach. He's tall, but like Fraser Foster and that type of stature. And we're seeing Barkas go out to U- Utrecht, who got smashed 4-2 by Queen's Park. And albeit the goalie conceded, didn't cover himself in glory. But do you think it's a good uh, a good acquisition for Celtic? I th- on on paper, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm always maybe a little bit, maybe wrongly apprehensive about us signing keepers for the SPL purely on historical track record. You know, I think of the Mark Browns and Zaliskas in this world that, let's just say, didn't cover themselves in too many, too much glory. Anyone that was at St Mirren that night when we, we lost 4 0 uh, was Zaliska. You're, you're and Ross. You know, th- th- this was not. Uh, <laughs> I know he called himself the holy goalie too, but um, this was not an Arthur Boric like-for-like replacement. Um, But, you know, I think to be fair to him, to be fair to Segrist, he has had a a couple of great seasons uh, at Tanadice since since they've came back to the SPL. Um, And like you say, out with, you know, know, Celtic, obviously, if you're you're looking at other goalkeepers, um, you know, that have got that longevity left in them as well. He's absolutely um, the top dog. Um, obviously, you have you know Alan McGregor the other side of the river, um, who's still you know, I think he's signed a new contract. I think yeah, yeah so he's you know he's sticking around with him yet. Um, Fifty-fifty-two. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's like that. obviously Craig Gordon's no spring chicken either. Um, but you know, you look at Segrist, I think he's uh, he's got plenty of years left in him. And he's already got all the attributes, but he's now going to be working alongside the likes of uh, Joe Hart, who's been there, seen it all, done it all, won it all. Um, I think it's a, it's a great signing, especially on a free. And again, uh, um, when listening to his interview, it seemed to be the Ange effect again, because I don't imagine he'll have been short on offers where he probably would have been given the opportunity to go in there and be number one at a club. But it's been that discussion with Ange um, that's persuaded him 
to sign on the dotted line with us. So, and, and as Andrew always says, he's only wanting players that want to be at Celtic. So he's obviously gave a good account of himself as well for Ange to make that call. So, yeah, I think it's a, a great bit of business. Uh, and it just really kind of shows up, um, you know, the goalkeeping position because, you know, we, you know, Scott Bain's got a lot of personality and he's a you know a decent character um, for what I've heard in the dressing room. But with the you know the greatest will in the world, I, you know that he's, he's I, I don't think that you know if anything was to happen to Joe Hart, I would be especially confident uh, of Scott Bain being you know the next in line waiting. Um, it's not. It's just one of those things. You know there are just some goalkeepers that you just don't get filled with much confidence yeah. with. Um, but I think I'd be a lot more confident now that Seagrist is uh, in the door. It's mad to think as well that um, at one point Scott Bain was first choice under Brendan Rodgers, which is mm-hmm. mental, just yeah. because of his football and ability at the back. And you, you look at it, I mean, Anthony made a great point, Ross, in terms of conversation with Vans, and it seems to kind of persuade a lot of players these phone calls, whatever he says, he must threaten them or something. Could you imagine that Vans <laughs> being angry? You better come, better come. <laughs> no, but like, Seagrist coming in for Joe Hart, and I, I made the suggestion in the, in the the group chat then the Celts one about maybe a cup keeper a domestic keeper I know Anthony's not too king but I can't see Seagrass coming in and not being guaranteed at least a few games um, well I I mean when, obviously Seagrass has been rumoured or Celtic fans have sort of wanted him for a while a section of it anyway and I'm no different uh, but I always thought that he's a He's that level of keeper where I didn't think he would be happy to come to Celtic and be a number two because I didn't at the time I didn't think he was going to oust Hart. I still don't think he is, but I, I, I always felt that we weren't going to get him because of that. But whatever Andrew said to him, like you say, he, he just he just gets it done, and he's came to the club. <sighs> For me, I'm the same as Anthony. I don't like this cupkeeper thing and that. You're number one, you're number one, and that's it. But you make a good point, and it, it could have been the carrot dangled in front of him just to get it over the line. But for me, I don't want that. I, I just want him to be able to come in and replace Hart if, if he's injured. But it is quite... It, it's the done thing. It's certainly like down, with the bigger clubs who have got like two, like a top keeper and a really good keeper, it is the done thing in the cup games. Mm-hmm. It might be the done thing here, but again, it's like everything else. Time will tell. Uh, I, I wouldn't be raging if it happened, but it wouldn't be my choice. I think though as well, I think William makes a great point there that Hearts no spring chicken. I reckon Sigurds has come in with the thought of being number one, hopefully in the future. Uh, the way I look at it is before we kind of move on to the Burnaby is like, you're bringing him in, Segrist, and Anthony made a great point. He's learning from Joe Hart. He kind of referred to him as like an idol of his as well, that he always looked up to him because I think Segrist started in England when he moved from Switzerland over to England and he was in the academies and stuff. And he was like the benchmark because obviously at that time he was English number one. So again, he'd be kind of soaking all that up. If he gets a couple of chances, if Joe Hart picks up an England injury, then you put him in, you'd be fine. Like, in, in my opinion, I think he's a solid keeper. He's played against us loads and he's made some cracking saves, like, albeit. That time when uh, Tom Rosies took the ball for a dance at Tannadice, he had no uh, chance. But sure, he, the Wizards away, but we won't talk about that. We'll start crying again. But we'll see, move on to... See what well, he's saying there. It, he's obviously saying that Joe Hart's no spring chicken. I think Joe Hart's maybe 35. 
I, I think if he looks after his cell in the way that maybe Craig Gordon's done, who I think is about 39, you could be looking at Joe Hart's maybe got four good seasons in him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in my opinion. But I, I know what Willie's saying, and I think that Segrist probably is brought in for him to maybe take over for Hart, but it, it could be a number of years before he does. Oh, and, and you're, you're bang on, Ross. And if, I mean, if, if the holiday snaps are in to go by, um, you know, it's not like he's. Um, <laughs> aye. It's not like he's not in peak shape physically, is it? Exactly, man. Aye. Rip. And he's run about. He's run about singing the captain song. Monday is kind of stirring the pot here. Seegers will displace Hart this season again. No chance. That's no up. Chance. That, that's. I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's happening. But I mean, if you think that, fair enough. If you think it. Aye. Well, we'll move on the, the, the Burnaby. Or Burnaby. Imagine I said that the Real Madrid Stadium. I got slaughtered. Burnaby. Yeah. Even that Burnaby, whatever way you say his name. Come Burnaby to yourself, Ross. Burnaby. Burnaby and the Burnaby. Nah, I wouldn't be on that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I already called that night. <laughs> a, young, a young Argentinian left back. I think he's what, 20, 20 or 21. He came in from Lanus, who kind of. Announced the signing before Celtic did. The, the Celtic admin yeah. took it well. And it was kind of fun that day when that, that signing bit got announced. Some cracking tweets. But our first signing from Argentina. Left back. Coming right. in from foreign shores for Gregory. Who do you think is going to win that battle this season? Do you think Gregory will, will still slightly be on top until he beds in? I think I think it will be similar to the Juranovic uh, Ralston one last season. I think that he's been brought in certainly not to be the number one left back. He's been brought in to give Greg Taylor something to think about, a challenge, eh, because Liam Scales was brought in to do that and he didn't do it. It's no slanting the guy, just maybe is not good enough for Celtic. But I, I wouldn't say with any certainty that the same thing will happen between Bernabé and Taylor as what happened with Juranovic and Ralston and that Bernabé will eventually become the number one. I've only seen bits and pieces of Bernabé and he, he looks sort of similar ilk in the way he plays like Juranovic. I think he, he looks more suited to the the style that Ange wants to play than what Greg Taylor does. But Greg Taylor's a workhorse and he's gave absolutely everything to get to the level that he's playing at right now. And that's it's, it's testament to Ange, but first and foremost it's testament to Greg Taylor because... He, I mean, obviously, I've rated him for a while, but he, he that that the way he's playing the now was a million miles away from what Greg Taylor's game actually was. He was a yeah. rigid left back. That's how he played at Kilmarnock. He's a good defender. He's adding to his game now and going forward. He's he's passing ability has got a lot better. He still needs to work on his crossing, but Bernabe looks. Again, what I've seen, he looks like he's certainly going to be a lot better going forward than what Taylor is. He looks more natural uh, in the, the top half of the, the pitch. But as a defender, he's maybe not got the ability to defend like Greg Taylor has. It's, it's one of the ones, but again, you look at it and you go, Ange will probably, for the most part of the season, play the fixture. Mm-hmm. And... Greg Taylor will play whatever fixtures suited to him. Bernabé will play. I think most of the, again, I think you'll, you'll probably find that in 
some of the European games, Greg Taylor will maybe start in the away games. But it's difficult to say because Ange never, he never goes out to be like rigid and try and stop the other team. <laughs> he, he, he wants to. But he, he has changed slightly in that when he first came in, Celtic were right open, but he has not shut up shop, but he's been, he's shorted it up a bit more at times. He tries to take the game away from, certainly domestically tries to take the game away from teams in that first half. And then in the second half, if and when they do, they sort of start playing within themselves. I think that's how Rangers had a lot of decent second halves against us last year because yeah. we'd already took the game away from them. But uh, aye, I, it's great competition for that berth, as it is at the right, as it is for the goalkeeper, as it is for the central defence. And that's what he's working towards, having that almost nothing between each player who's going for each berth in the team, and it's it's healthy. Yeah, 100%. I think the, the aim is, Anthony, two for each position, that old phrase. And strange of the doctor comes in here for a great point. Alexandro was an on-signing. <clears throat> Therefore, he has much higher probability of fitting his system. But to kind of go back to what Ross was saying there in terms of Greg Taylor, he, like so correct, he was schooled under um, Steve Clark at Kilmarnock to be sitting in, taking the pressure, tackling, getting rid of the ball, hoofing it up, signed for Celtic, slowly but surely coming out of the shell. Postacoli's kind of brought that on more, coming into the centre of the pitch. And I think you're right. He's he's always involved in some sort of way in terms of the attack. And yes, he gets a lot of flag on and things and in terms that he's not like flan, he can't take people on, but he, he plays some good passes and he got he's got a few assists along along with Ralston as well. Obviously Ranovich turned out to be our number one towards the end of the season. And I think a, a family came in there for another point, it was Charles saying I seen that Bernabe on YouTube. Hopefully he's not a hothead. Obviously he headbutted someone in his last game for his current <laughs> club. So again he has a bit of aggression. I like to see a bit of aggression personally. But this this signing I think is a positive one, isn't it? I think so. I mean he it was one of these players that you'd, you'd seen doing all, all. I mean, we're not the biggest fans of the rumor mill uh, on this podcast, but we, you, you do remember he, it was a name that we've seen quite a bit. It looked like Celtic have been scouting him for a while. Um, so it's, it's again, it's great that we've went out there, paid the fee, and we've got him in um, early doors. But you know, me and Ross are fully fledged signed up members of the Greg Taylor fan club, and. Um, <laughs> I think the I think the, the greatest um, compliment I would give him is that it wasn't until he got taken off injured in the semi final at Hamden when we we completely lost our, our shape at the back. And obviously, you know, Juranovic had, had been taken off on the right as well. But anything you ask Greg Taylor to do, he'll give a hundred percent to do. Not everybody can be Kieran Tierney, unfortunately. It'd be great if we if they could be, but you know, it's just the nature of the beast. But He's what course is a perfect way to describe him, and I think he'll. Um, although this is it's a big outlay uh, on a on a young player, which you know, with those kind of fees, you would imagine that Ange has probably got it in mind that he'll be the, you know, the inverted commas first choice. But we we spent a fair bit on Juranovic as well, and Ralston more than featured um, a lot during the the season last year as well. So I don't think this is the end of Greg Taylor um, by any means, and. Um, but it's but like you say, it's it's what being a top club should be. There shouldn't be anyone guaranteed a starting position for uh, back to front. Everyone should have to be on their toes. That's what that's what the big clubs do. And um, 
if you've got two quality players in each position um, willing to fight it out to be the top dog, then that can only be a good thing for us. And um, yeah. and also for opposition as well, you know, but one of our biggest um, problems in the COVID season was, you know, when we used to, uh, we could never get a team right last season. But the, the when we first started doing this podcast in the COVID season, we got nine or ten players right every week because you knew who yeah, was starting. Because you knew, um, yeah. it was boring. It was predictable. And um, if we can pick up on it, then I'm sure all the coaching staff at all these other clubs that get paid to do it can as well. No manager now in that league will know what Celtic are going to is going to appear. We've not even tried the experiment yet. The Yakimakis and Kyogo as a two up oh. front. I'd be very surprised if we don't see that at some point in this season as well. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't want to be a, a defender for any of the other 11 clubs right now, that's for sure. I think Alan's Poster Cogley was questioning that. He was one of the reporters said, Are you kidding? Not worry, but do you, do you think teams have found out? And he was like, No, because we'll just get better, we'll change it, and they won't know what's coming. And then when you have players like Mieta coming out in interviews saying that wasn't him at his quickest, you're going, What? <laughs> where, where, where could this go? But here, just, just before we move on, right, and it's something that's kind of stuck in the back of my mind, and it's no slant on the, the transfer process or the scouting because it's brilliant getting players from in from Japan, Australia, or Argentina, wherever it may be, far lands away. It's, it's brilliant to see bringing that kind of flavour to Scottish football. But, Ross, just to come to you, it's a bit of concern that we're kind of losing that kind of Scottish core. I know, like, obviously under Rodgers, we had the likes of, you obviously had Craig Gordon, Brownie, Armstrong, McGregor, Christie, Forrest, it's kind of dwindling back now to McGregor and Forrest coming in and, and, and fits and bursting. I think it's a bit of a concern or is it just the way football's going at the minute? Um, I'm not even sure. We are losing the core. We've, we've got Ralston, we've got Taylor, we've got McGregor, we've got Turnbull, we've got Forrest who can come in. I'll, I'll move on. I'll move on. There's still I mean a healthy... In terms of nailed on starters, that's what I'm saying. That the majority of the squad's is, you know what I'm saying, foreign. And I'm saying the Scotty's kind of course can uh, disappear from that starting list. Right, aye, I've got you now. Um, well, th- this is this is what happens when you're sort of going on to that next level, what we want to do, what Ange wants to do. And it's just the way, it's just football. I mean, I, th- I still think your Ralston's, your Taylor's will feature heavily. Obviously, McGregor, will feature heavily. I think Turnbull will feature heavily because it's going to be a squad game. And I think Forrest, I think he'll, there's still a place for him and I think he'll play a lot, of, certainly a lot more games than he played last year. Um, mm, so, don't know about that. well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about <laughs> it either. That's just what I think. <laughs> La, to be fair, he does look sharp in what you see in that kind of training drill. But coming to yourself, Anthony, I mean, Ross destroyed my point here, so we've been embarrassed about that. But <laughs> what, what, what do you think? I mean, do, do you think it's a concern? And as someone come in there, I think it was a uh, strange of the doctor saying, "Don't be silly, Madrid and City have lost that core and they're they're flying. But I kind of knew the meant in my own head, but it's kind of went all up the wall here. Like, no, no, but listen, I got where you were coming from, uh, Stephen. And it, to be fair, the, the two examples given me Real Madrid are the biggest football club in the world, so the most certainly the most successful. Um, so it's maybe a you know an odd example. Um, Manchester City don't have a core. Uh, they they sold it, um, <laughs> and along with every other last <laughs> atom of their soul when they sold it to the you know the sports washing Arabs. But uh, you know, um, so yeah, 
we just discount them. Let's talk about big clubs. Um, but, you know, I think, to answer your question, I think the, the core will always be there. The, um, like you say, the Ralstons and the Taylors and, you know, our captain, Kyle McGregor, these guys will have it. You know, in terms of, you know, the culture of Celtic, um, doesn't matter, you know, what nationality um, these boys coming in are. They all have it drilled into them what it means to be a Celtic player and um, what they've got to do when they pull that shirt on. And um, so, yeah, I think it's one of those... It, it is a shame because, you know, we all want the national team to succeed as well. Of course we do. Um, but your primary concern will always be um, Celtic. And as ruthless as it sounds, it's it's not Ange Postacoglu's job to make sure Scottish players feel comfortable. It's Ange Postacoglu's job to keep that trophy cabinet full at Celtic yes. Park, which uh, he's doing not bad at so far. Oh, he's doing all right, I think, isn't he? But here, I'm moving on <laughs> yeah. quickly from that because I'm getting abuse in the comments. I knew what I meant, right? Yeah. We'll just leave it there. And obviously, we've seen the, the kind of transfer set of things. Coaching, Anthony's been a, an issue. People come back to the start of last season, why they not bring in his own coaching staff, all that. And then through the season, you see the likes of the new head of recruitment coming in, Mark Lowell. I know he has links, but he's, he's still fantastic CV. He's brought in sports scientists and all for Benfica, so he's kind of building that. Then he gets Harry Kuehl, who, again, another fantastic coup for Celtic, although in terms of his management career, it's kind of been up and down. But as a coach addition for him, a, better, but a bit more like flavour of what Postacogli wants into Celtic with the regime. McManus demoted or dropped down to the B squad, but I think it's a good link there with McManus because he knows what he's looking for, so it's all kind of getting into sync for me. But what do you think about Kuehl joining Celtic? Yeah, I think it's again. It's it, obviously he's a big name, so obviously it's going to get a lot of um, you know press corporate attention as well. But I think it's a, a wise appointment. I mean, we've had some big names in the dugout before on the coaching staff. You know, you think back to you know Damien Duff was was successful in his time here, and he was really popular with the players. Um, I mean, he looks magnificent in the training gear. I mean, we have to we have to get that. You know, have to, you know. <laughs> You address that elephant in the room first. Um, it just looks absolutely tremendous. I think Ange is going to have some competition uh, if they bring out some nice new knitwear uh, for the autumn. <laughs> uh, who's going to be modelling it? But uh, no, I think listen, any player coming through, um, you know, especially in that that position, you know, the, the guy was he played for you know Leeds United when you know Leeds United were right up there with the uh, you know maybe just a, a wee bit below you know United and, and Arsenal. And those uh, title charges, um, but you know, Champions League semi-finalists, I think, two thousand and one, um, mm-hmm. under David O'Leary at Ellen Road, and then obviously moved to Liverpool as well. Um, so he earned that move as well. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, he's, he, similar to the, the kind of Joe Hart thing, he's, he just brings that extra bit of leadership, and you know, he'll command respect the minute he walks into a dressing room. Um, and like I say, he won't have been short on offers again as well. So it'll be a bit, he'll be loving this opportunity to come and coach at a Champions League club as well. So yeah, I think it can only be a good thing. Yeah. And after you make a great point as well, I was going to say to Ross. So thanks for bringing mm-hmm. it up. You said he wouldn't be short of offers. And he, he admitted in the press conference that he, he was waiting on a job offer back, Ross. But he got that mm-hmm. phone call from Anne's that everyone seems to say yes to. That's the mark of the fellow. Harry Kuehl, amazing playing career again, up and down coaching and kind of management career. But it's like that kind of bounce, isn't it? Seeing a new face in the training ground, you're not stuck with, and uh, yes, their success, but Kennedy and Strachan, you're walking in, a bad is looking at Harry Kuehl, getting tips, Jada's doing the same thing. 
any young winger coming through. It's like a it's like a dream having someone like that, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's, you, you just listen to him straight away if you're trying to learn as a, a forward thinking player and you look at what he's done in his career, then straight away, you, you, like Anthony says, he commands the respect. Uh, and like you've said there, I, I think even Ange alluded to himself that just seeing that new face, that freshness when you come back, mm-hmm. he said like just just changing it up a wee bit, it's just a freshness and it gives you that, that new drive, uh, a new voice. Uh, so, I, I mean, I, I don't know his full coaching career, but, it's, it's a big name. He's working under Ange. He's going to be doing pretty much what Ange wants to do. Uh, so he's going to be following his instructions, if you like. Obviously, be a bit of his stuff in it as well. Uh, and he's for the same country as him, so they've got a bit of a sort of connection there right away. I, I think it just... It, it look, everything looks good for the outside looking in for Celtic yep. right now. There's no one thing that I'm looking in at Celtic now and going, right, we need to sort that out. You, you just feel any wee bits that do need doctored. Ange's, it's in the often. He's thinking about it. It's no harm yet, but he's going to do it. And it's it, it's just it's brilliant to have him at the helm. And I, I, well, we've said that a million times now if he came in. I really hope he's here for a long, long time. I know football doesn't work like that now, but I think Ange breaks the mould in oh, he does. every way possible, and I just hope he breaks the mould with us as well, because I think he's, he, he he wanted to manage in Europe with a big club, and a lot of managers for Europe, they probably don't regard Celtic as a big club in the sense <clears throat> like challenging for European trophies and stuff like that but Ange regards us as a big club and he's absolutely delighted to be here Yeah, I mean I, I don't know if anyone in the comments listened to the David Webb interview he he said, no, I don't think anyone knew this but when he was technical, technical director at Huddersfield he had a phone call with Ange Postacoldi with a few potentially giving him the, the manager's job but obviously things come up and he ended up at Celtic Football Club and you're right, he breaks <coughs> he does break the mould, it's like the, the boardroom itself, like we know it hasn't changed, but it's like he walks in, he throws out his demands. He said, if they're not met, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And they're nine times out of ten have been met so far. The signings have come in from now to last season, albeit one or two, like James McCarthy, but won't get into that, have been his. We've seen, obviously, we've been linked with that Brazilian, Sosa. There's a big hype about him coming in. It's between Fernabatsi and Celtic, so we'll see where that goes. Maybe one of them phone calls coming in. But I know we're going to the pre-season camp, Anthony here in Austria. But before I get into this, you brought up something today and I want to talk about it and it lead me into the, a conversation Ross had with Russell Russell Boyce in the Double Down show, which I thought was quite interesting, but I want to give my two pants worth on it as well. And it's the, the trip to Australia and his homecoming. Obviously, the, the pantomime act, the, the backup act have pulled out because they cried over pennies as usual. Apparently, they're being linked to be replaced by Everton Football Club. Again, I don't know what type of money's involved, but apparently this type of tournament is what we will earn winning the SPL, which is shocking. And it brings me to it, Anthony. How can we sell this league better, this product? Because you look at Neil Doncaster, <coughs> 25 million quid, and he heals it as a success from Sky. They give us nothing. Coverage of football is shocking. It's pish. The, the pick and choose games when they want. The birdie show any other teams bar Celtic and Rangers, which is a bit disgraceful in my opinion as well. Midweek games last year, 
there was none at, at certain points. I thought BT did a better job. But how do you promote the game better? Because I thought Ross you, and Anne Russell made some fantastic points. But what, what do you think? I, I totally agree that BT's coverage is better in terms of how they how they discuss the match and and, and, and obviously just the, the, the wider game in general. Problem was when it came to the bidding, they were still outbid by Sky, even although we would, I think we would probably all agree that the Sky deal is still quite paltry. They did bid oh. more than BT. So, you know, it's a, it's a catch-22. Um, <coughs> you know, I'm, I'd, I'd love to have all the answers and say, oh, there's, there's an easy way to, to fix it. You just have to do A, B and C and X, Y and Z will fall into place. But I'd, I'd, Gordon Stratton got criticised a lot for it when he made these comments on BBC Scotland. Um, it was about a year ago now, um, Stephen. I don't know if you'd, if you'd heard the interview where he was quite scathing where a lot of the, the clubs, maybe out with you know Celtic, Rangers, Hibs, Hearts and Aberdeen, although I actually think he did criticise Aberdeen a fair bit as well, obviously being an ex-player. But he says one of his biggest frustrations is when he tunes in to watch a game that maybe doesn't involve, you know, the the, the, the big two. And he says, you know, that they've still got the training goals, you know, set up in the corner and, you know, all the training get out, out on display. He says it just doesn't look like there's been much effort put in. And, you know, you, it's almost like they're, they're, they're not, they're, there's no self-confidence within a lot of Scottish football. And yep. you know that they're, they're carrying on the way that the, the way that they think they should be perceived. Up until the the billion pound injection of, of Sky money, Scottish the English football always paid <laughs> its players a bit more. You know, I don't think none of us are daft enough to know otherwise. But in terms of the quality on the park, I mean, England and Scotland, in terms of head to heads, England have only won about five or six more matches in the entire yep. history of the rivalry. Um, so you know, it's quite clearly um, all to do with money. Um, obviously, back in the late nineties, you know, when the SPL was formed, um, Sky put out, <coughs> I mean, Sky did inject a lot of money into Scottish football. But the problem was, and maybe this is where you, you look at your, 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 you know, individual governorship in each club, is a lot of the. You know the members of uh, board members of each club. Uh, two or three clubs ran themselves into serious financial peril. Um, you look at Dundee. You know signing Fabrizio Ravanelli and Claudio Canizia <laughs> and you know guys like that. Hearts. I think Craig Levine says at one point there was four or five uh, guys on twelve thousand pound a week at Hearts. You know it's absolutely mind-boggling sums. And when you know when it came to that deal to be renegotiated in two thousand and two. They had already started to try to, you know, the, the other 10 clubs were arguing about who would get a bigger share of the pie. And then the TV deal collapsed um, on the back of that. So they were arguing over money that was never actually concretely yeah. on the table. And from then, we've suffered with the BBC deal. We then had the chance to go back to Sky. Um, but for a couple of million more, we went with Satanta which didn't have the foundations in place that Sky did. So in every opportunity, we've made the wrong call. And it's got to the point now where Sky is the only kind of serious bidder in town, but they treat us with utter disdain. I mean, any channel that employs Chris Boyd as some sort of intellectual analyst 
it just tells you exactly what they think is. But we, we don't really seem to have any other option. I, I know there's been a lot of talk about each club having their own pay-per-view channel and, you know, selling the rights themselves and stuff. But even at Celtic, I don't think there's enough forward thinking in that respect. Um, no. I think, hopefully, you know, with the, the introduction, of, even the Sky sort of format now in itself is getting quite dated. And I think that even down south, a lot of clubs are looking at streaming, you know, with the likes of Amazon and places like that. And, you know, they're starting to look into alternate deals being done. I think, especially COVID, it will, it will have played a big part as well. I think a lot of clubs will start looking at, you know, selling their own rights and stuff. But the problem is, we're so far behind now, you know, out with Celtic and Rangers, how many clubs could sell their own TV rights in Scotland and expect to get the same kind of money back as what they would even get from the Sky deal? So it's we are always a victim of our geography, uh, Stephen. Um, hopefully these kind of tours that we're about to embark on, Australia, yep. um, you know, we've got a massive following out there, but that can renew that um, kind of friendship and, uh, and support. We can rekindle that. I would be amazed if at some point in the next week while we don't do some kind of Japanese tour as well on the back of some of the deals we've made. So from a Celtic perspective, that's maybe how we grow it. In terms of Scottish football as a whole, we might just have to keep hoping that the national team's fortunes stay kind of more positive than negative. And if we want to qualify for more tournaments, you've got more money that you can reinvest back into the, into the grassroots. And from there, you develop better players and then, you know, the, the profile grows. But, you know, that's not going to happen overnight. Um, and my, my worry is that we're so far behind a lot of similar size nations now that we're, we're, um, we're being left behind. Yeah, I 100% agree with everything you just said there. I think the, you made a great point about that Santanta day. They kind of went up in smoke and mirrors, that type of thing. It, it went to ship quite quickly. But again, it was trying to grab money, wasn't it? It, it was like... Sky are giving us peanuts. We're trying to look for that brighter type of millions of pounds, Ross. And you look at it, I've seen a lot of comments here of saying about streaming services like Apple TV, Netflix, Amazon. Obviously, we've seen the documentaries that certain clubs have done all or nothing, Arsenal and Tottenham and things like that. But there has to be a different way because we can't be scribbling about with 25 million pounds and expect to be happy about it. I think the Dutch League get about 50 million, the Belgian League get about 35. So we're only competing in that type of level. And you look at it, as Anthony said, Chris Boys at most Celtic games given us expert punditry on them. And it's just a shambles from start to finish. Even the big games, the coverage is absolutely abysmal. And it's it's like, why, why, why even go to the service? And you look at Rangers, for example, they've pulled out of the sense deal, but they're still getting money. How is it possible? Do you know what I mean? But where do you stand on it? <sighs> to be honest with you, I don't really know where I stand. Um, it's... You look at it, and as much as Sky treats us with absolute disdain in the day, it's it's difficult out with Celtic and Rangers. Now, we could watch, say, Hearts, Hibs, or Hibs, Aberdeen, and they're good games of football, but no every single game, like down south, is a really good game of football. So it's hard to... Oh, I don't think every game down south is great. I've watched that, some absolute shockers. That's what I'm saying. No, every single oh, game, sorry. like down south, is no. It's <laughs> I not, you like, no, no. But you could, you could look at it like I don't know. I know they do, the two of them get relegated, but for talking to Burnley against Norwich, right? I'm not going to watch that. Similar, to, I'm not going to watch Man playing Dundee. 
because it doesn't interest me, and it doesn't it, it, like the St. Martin fans, the Dundee fans, they're not filling their stadium. So our country, like the people in our country who supposedly support their teams, are not going to watch their teams. So it's difficult for us to then try and sell that product when the people who are supposed to be interested in it aren't even going. But I don't know. It's, I don't know what the answer is. I think our game is it, it's getting a lot healthier. It is pretty competitive, and yeah. without the 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 cash for Sky, I don't think the English game is any any that much better than our game. If you go back to the the eighties before uh, the English Premier League and that was formed. There was nothing in it, and like there was big players for down south coming up to Celtic and Rangers. Uh, so it's I think that you, you look at it and it's like I, I, honestly I really don't know what the answer is. That I like talking about football. I'm not a, a financial guy by any stretch, but no, no, I get that. I, it's I, I don't know what the answer is, but there has to be some sort of way. And someday with a lot more knowledge than myself has to think of a way that if, if they care about Scottish football to, to get us a better deal. But at the moment, I think it's ingrained in people's heads because we've been told that, that much that our league is garbage, that people yeah. just believe it now. People who are offering deals believe it. When actually, if we were given a, a bigger piece of the pie, if you like, then our teams could could attract better players because they would have more money. And I think Russell Boyce alluded to it on Friday night. Aberdeen, Dundee United, they all played in European finals in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Aberdeen, I, I think they were, I can't even mind, I think they won them. So these teams have done it in a European stage before. And if we were given a bigger piece of the pie, these teams could possibly do it again. But well, maybe not do it again, but certainly put a better mark in Europe than what they currently are doing because out with Celtic and Rangers, nobody's laying a glove on the European stage because they're absolutely rooked. And it's yeah. it's it's just how it is. But I don't know how to change it, but I would love to see it changing and is getting our game getting stronger and just get going to another level, but what the answer is I don't know. Well, see, to be fair, I mean, no one knows the answer. Again, it's just us talking about it and see if there's obviously mm-hmm. solutions to come up with and things like that. But the way I'm looking at the comments here, a lot of people are on board with what Anthony said, type of taking it in-house, selling your own rights. But again, where, where would that leave the smaller clubs? They're kind of relying on that money coming in from Sky because they don't fill their stadiums, which looks bad. I get it in terms of a TV product. And you made a great point. Aberdeen won two European trophies. Dundee's won one, I think, haven't they? So there, there is history. Yeah. There's history within the Scottish game of European football being successful. The English League have just been injected with all sorts of money, and most of the games I've ever watched are absolute dog shit, to be honest. I'm going to be honest about it. I think <laughs> the Scottish game, what we have, we've still got the passion, we've still got the soul, mm-hmm. we've still got the support, albeit, yes, on different levels. Celtic Rangers are way up here and the other teams, but we've still got that, and that's something I never want to lose. I just want to see the game being more receptible, people are respecting it more. Not calling it a backwater. I, I hate them comments from them type of people from the English League. It does my head in. But it's we'll just, move it's, on. It's like, it's like they're in, on, those kind of comments are just ignorance, mate. And 
you know, it, 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 unfortunately, you're never going to get rid of that kind of thought process from a large element of the English English fans. You only have to look at how they carry on when they're playing in the international fixtures. Uh, you see that arrogance and ignorance is a quite toxic mixture. Yeah, it's coming home. <laughs> and then a, a lot of the, a lot of the opinions are coming for guys that have only ever known the English Premier League being yeah. cash rich. They didn't know the old Premier League, so that's how the, 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 their opinions just formed. It, it's like they a lot of young guys now, not so much because they're starting, they're going to be back in the Champions League. But for a good while there, a lot of young guys probably think AC Milan are quite shite. Mm-hmm. AC Milan are a massive club with amazing history, but some younger people don't know that, and it's a bit similar in the sense that people think the English Premier League is this great thing and the Italian League isn't that good now. But at one point, the Italian League was the league to be in. And England have just been injected with copious, ridiculous amounts of money. And it it now makes teams like, I don't know, Middlesbrough get to a European final, which I'm sure they did at at one point. Absolute shambles. Signing, like, (laughs) there's, there's... Teams in England, I don't know, like middle of the road, what, what was an example, a, a mid-table team, I don't know, an Everton, right, signing players that they should never be signing. They're, they're no that level of club, but they're signing players that maybe at one point, I, I mind, there was one time, I'm sure it was Portsmouth, they beat like AC Milan, I'm sure they beat AC Milan in Europe one night, and I'm like, what the is going on here? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just a shambles, and it's it's ruined football because that that love and that history of teams has been taken away. You don't have to look at Man City, look at Newcastle now. They're starting to yeah. do, but it's it's a load of shite. They teams shouldn't be challenging at that level. Celtic are a big club, and they should be challenging at that level. But England have ruined Sky. The money they've pumped into England have totally ruined Scottish football. I think I've, I think they've nailed it. I really do think they've nailed it. I think that English clubs have lost their soul, have sold out. I mean, Anthony made a great point out in the show. Man City have sold everything. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> you, you have to they sell your soul to get success, make deals with the devil, and all that type of thing. But one thing I do want to say, Patrick McLaughlin, I brought up his point there. He said what the SPL desperate needs is a pasta cogly to rip it up from the bottom. 20-year plan overhaul. I think that would be fantastic because Postacoglu, I think, wanted to do that within Australian football but wasn't allowed and obviously left for certain reasons. But we'll move on to this pre-season camp. Anthony, we're not in, by the way. We've still got 60 Watson. Uh, fantastic. We went, uh, <laughs> went off the wee tangent there, didn't we? Uh, <laughs> we didn't go off the wee tangent, but it's sure. It's our, our first regular podcast back. We'll make the most of it. And for all you people watching, please hit that like button and stuff. Get us up to 1,000 as I said before. We appreciate the support. But this pre-season camp, a couple of youth players have been confirmed to be on the journey. Carmogo the Bellies left the club. I mean, that wasn't really a surprise in the end. He's he's away to the French League with a club. can't remember the name of them, but he'll be playing there next season. They're Got called the You would probably call them Tat. But in terms of that, you're going to this pre-season camp. It's much like all... Always with the with the new preseasons, who are you looking forward to seeing? Even if it's not a youth player, just a, a like Matt O'Reilly, for example, or Mieda again. 
Who are you looking forward to seeing on Wednesday, pulling on the green and white? Let's be honest, um, hopefully it'd be quite nice to see um, Bernabe at left back, just to you know, kind of get a first kind of glimpse of him. Um, but I like like you say, it's always, the, a lot of the time these pre-season tours, um, they do tend to have a few guys for the academy through. You think like last year, Owen Moffat featured quite a lot and he you know, scored a few goals and stuff. So it's always good to see, like, you know, the potential next in line uh, coming through. But, um, you know, most important thing about pre-season is just getting getting a feel of the ball again, getting the fitness levels back up uh, and being prepared for when the, the big stuff starts. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing them back in action. You know, it's yeah. you know, middle of May, you, you know, was the last time we, we were at a Celtic game or we watched the Celtic game. So, uh, yep, as I say, results. You know, they, they'll actually, you know, they don't really matter. It's just, you know, we lost heavily to West Ham last year and I'm sure we would have still taken the season that we had. Um, it's all about just making sure we're ready for, for that first weekend when the domestic stuff resumes. Because um, obviously we don't have to worry about qualifiers and far reaches of the world this year. Um, so, yeah, look, looking forward to it. Good, just looking forward to seeing them back in action and training in that magnificent new training range that they've got. Oh, I. I mean, see as well, like you look at it, you make a good point there in terms of the qualifiers. Um, Ross amply said that there's no kind of, you're going back, you're rushing these pre-season games. Celtic can take their time now. Postlecoglu has more time than the training pits. And after made a great point, Old Moffat featured heavily last season. They'll probably be in the squad again this season. Boson Lowell, a young centre-back, he's meant to be the next big thing coming from Ireland. He's already captain in the under-19 side. Looks an absolute machine, by the way. You've got like Josh Didi at right back and stuff. But again, for me, like people go, it's pre-season, why are you excited? I'm just fucking buzzing to see them again because it feels like forever. Like we took a break. It was only for two weeks and we we're fucking gone for ages, but we're back <laughs> now. We, we can't wait. We can't wait to see um Celtic again and half five kickoff on Wednesday. We'll be doing a reaction to that on the Friday podcast again. We are changing from Monday to Friday. The Tuesday one's gone, so it's Monday and Friday live, 8 p.m. on YouTube from now on going forward. But for you this pre-season, is there anyone you want to see in particular or is it just Celtic boys back in action? Well, I'm buzzing like yourselves for Celtic to be back. It's, you miss them. Uh, and I'm delighted that they're back on Wednesday, but I'm not going to see the game because I'm taking the way into the circus. Oh. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll need to try and catch up with it. But in terms of who I'm looking forward to seeing, I'm not saying he's going to be like a first pick. But I'm really looking forward to seeing how Urigidi's developed. Uh, yeah, for sure. And to see if he, he can try and make a mark in the squad. Because I've seen him a couple of times last season. I, I thought he played very well. I'm sure it was the home game against Real Betis. I think he played that night. And I'm, I thought he played very well. I'm not saying that he's going to be on the team. But by all accounts, he's done okay at... I can't mind what the team is. It was out and loan it. By all accounts, he done well Ostende. there. Ostende, yeah. that's it. Um, no. So I, I think there's a player in there. Uh, so I interesting to see him, but just in general to see Celtic back playing the Ange way because it's it's so exciting. It's the 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 most I've enjoyed football for Celtic in a very long time, and I just can't wait to see. If, if I'm just true to his word and we've come back bigger and better stronger because we never stop exactly 100% oh. I'll come to you quickly here score and line up prediction obviously you can change the first half second half if you want but fire on with it oh, I'll, I'll, know for, I'll 
Still got to remember 22 players, uh, to be honest, mate. <laughs> uh, I'll start off. I think he'll probably go Seagrist, you know, get, give him a run out. Uh, and I think hopefully he'll start. Uh, I'll go with left wing, maybe Julian and uh, oh, yeah. Welsh. I think I think that CCB and that they might wait until the Rapid Vienna game at the weekend. Uh, Ralston, I think he'll start at the right back. James Forrest. And I'm going to say Jota on the left. I think Cal Mack will get a run out to start. Um, Hatati and O'Reilly. And That's pretty Ralston. strong, pretty strong. Yeah, I, th- I think the first half they might be pretty strong and then you know they'll, they'll rotate it about. So I think he'll start with Jackie Marcus up front and then maybe start with Kyogo in the second half. Brilliant. And yourself, Ross? Uh, what's the name of the team we're playing again? No idea. See, no. see I knew you were going to say it. I don't know if you've done this on purpose, right? But I've got it. the name of it. I was going to say, I've all the people you asked, Danny asked. I've got the name here, right? And it's spelt like a particular word that you would hear referring to something as a body part. But I'm going to go Weiner Victoria. That's right. the name I of the that, team we're playing. I right? would say Vina Victoria, but I, I, so I was, I, I thought it was that, but I couldn't mind. Um, why is Stephen wearing a half top? <laughs> <laughs> you get pills for that. <laughs> okay. it does, I've never actually noticed that, but wow, it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my lineup, eh, just throw in out there. It could be any. I'll go Seagrest and goals. Eh, I'll go. CCV, Julian, Taylor, Oof. Ralston. I'll go Kalmak, Adaguchi. Uh, yeah, uh, good. I want to see more happen. Yeah. Aye, so they are. Kalmak, uh, Turnbull. Um, and then front three, probably. I don't know if he's going to go full pelt. I'll go Forrest on the right. Maeda on the left because Jota's just back, uh, and I'll go Kyogo through the middle. And score prediction? Four one Celtic. Anthony. Seven three. I'll go. I'll go. Sigrist. I'll go. Ralston. I'll go Welsh and the wee man Lowell. I want to see more him. Um, I'll go Taylor to start. I'll go Calmac to be in for a bit of familiarity. I'll go Edigusi, O'Reilly. I'll put Forrest in, Yakimakis and Jada. And then obviously the rotate it. But I'll go with you. 4 1. And guys, that brings us towards the end of our, our first podcast back. And John obviously put up these new graphics, by the way. I hope you notice in the the actual screen itself, it's very crisp looking and he's given us brand new graphics and they're all fantastic looking. And it's crazy to think this is our third season as a podcast, albeit half a season in the COVID, but still it was a part of that season. We've done last season, I were in this. It's just fantastic. And the support again, it's brilliant, isn't it, lads? Hi. Hi. It's, and it's well appreciated. And we always say it, say it again. I'm no bothered. I'm no bothered personally if mm-hmm. we get one more, I'll still keep doing it. Like you say, it would be nice to get to a, a nice round number, eh, the 1K. Eh, yeah. I, I think we deserve that, but it's that's what it is, as they say in Love yeah, Island. That, <laughs> that, don't mention that. Don't mention that shit, <laughs> And Anthony, what about yourself? You enjoyed this one back? 
Uh, it's been good, like you say. It's, it's uh, our pre-season as well as Celtics. You know, it's just getting back into the swing of it. As you can see, I'm on the Stella tonight, so I'm still on my holidays. Um, but no, it's just great being back and uh, brilliant. You know, seeing that everyone seems to be enjoying it in the comments that are coming up as well. So we appreciate everyone that gets involved. We're, you know, it's, you know, still a new thing like watching stuff on shows on YouTube and whatever. But you know, we just try and do what we do best and, and talk about Celtic and uh, you know that's just it's we, we love doing it um, all, all six years and um, hopefully we've got a lot of you know new shows hopefully coming up along with the regular stuff as well um, in the future um, so here's hoping for a big season for us and a big season for the team we love as well 100%. And we'll be back Friday again for another podcast live at 8 o'clock on YouTube. And Phil McGinley, for anyone who's watching, get over to the Boise bus. I think they're going live now, or probably are live now. They were due on at 9 o'clock. So get over and watch them. Have a bit of crack talking Celtic again. And until next time, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail. <laughs>